0: Hello, my name is Dr. Rebecca McKendry, and welcome to Office Hours. This is a bonus episode from my podcast on the Fangoria Podcast Network, Nightmare University. Fangoria Magazine was first published in 1979 and quickly became famous amongst not just genre fans, but the entire entertainment industry. Fangoria had such an impact on me as an adolescent and teen that, as soon as I graduated from college, I sought out the company hoping to work with them. And in 2004, I was fortunate enough to begin working at Fangoria as an intern. I went through a number of different positions over the next decade, but spent most of my time working as Fangoria's director of marketing. I loved my job so much and was completely devastated when we shuttered our doors in 2016. Over the next year or two, I went on to get a PhD focused in horror and cult cinema, I became the co-host of Blumhouse's Shockwaves podcast, and I became a professor specializing in horror and cult media. Then, in 2018, Fangoria was purchased by a new owner, and I was elated to see it rise from the grave and begin again with a new crew and a new direction. I was asked to rejoin the Fangoria family, and I am thrilled to be part of the Fangoria podcast network. On these Nightmare University bonus episodes, Office Hours, I'll be exploring behind-the-scenes tales, genre-fueled adventures from my many years with Fangoria. Tonight's episode of Office Hours is brought to you by Fangoria.com. Your homepage for horror is here. Fangoria.com is now live and brimming with the digital horror content you crave. Fangoria.com is your first destination for all the horror news of the day, featuring a constant curation of the Fangoria team's favorite links from all across the internet. They take their time to aggregate the most important news in horror in one space to save you time and sanity. You'll also find long-form pieces, deep dives, and daily thoughts from the biggest names in horror, as well as exclusive access to the Fangoria Vault. Right now, current subscribers to the magazine are automatically members of Fangoria.com, and as promised, the content of the new issues will forever be in print only. If you're not already a subscriber, check out the new Fangoria.com for yourself and see the the horror right before your eyes. Use the promo code Nightmare for 15% off right now. Again that promo code is Nightmare at fangoria.com. Hello, and welcome to Nightmare University's Office Hours. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca McKendry. And before we get started into the Office Hours episode tonight, I want to tell you that Nightmare University has launched a Patreon, And we, um, on our Patreon page, we are going to be offering a couple of different things, including lists, um, kind of like comprehensive study cheat sheets of every single thing that we talk about in the episode. So on our normal Nightmare University shows, um, as I talk or my guests talk about movies, you will be receiving lists of every single movie and book that we mention. There's also an entirely new show that will be a component of this called Deep Cuts, where twice a month, I will super deep dive into these niche, hard to find, or even sometimes unreleased titles. So definitely check that out. You can find a link to it on our socials, um, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So again, check out Nightmare University socials and please help us keep expanding the show, um, via this Patreon. Thank you guys so much for that. So when I was trying to pick what type of topic I would do tonight for office hours, um, I started thinking about the fact that it's New Year's and that this is the time of year when everyone kind of examines their own lives and their own fears and their own obstacles and what they want to overcome in the following year. And over many years of working at Fangoria, I have spoken at many conventions, festivals, assorted horror events, and even gave a sermon at a very open-minded church about horror fans' ability to find strength in horror films. And during these many lectures and talks, I started thinking about why this is. Why are horror fans able to watch something that's frightening, gory, disturbing, or controversial and somehow feel better afterwards, maybe even stronger from it? There is, of course, the community element, as many of us have like-minded horror friends and social circles, even in the online space, that really help feed and expand our love of the genre and also act as a really strong support group. There's also the cathartic psychological effects of experiencing a gunt-wrenching film, having a strong emotional response, and then it acting almost like an emotional cleansing. I spoke a good deal about this component in the Nightmare University episode on the importance of the torture porn subgenre. But after a few years of exploring the strength in horror films paradigm, I realized something. Horror fans are ultimately experts in fear. We understand it, we've seen it, we've explored it, we've poked at it. We are also more prone to notice fear in our own bodies. We interrogate our own fears. We either avoid it, or in many cases, we poke at it until we can examine it from all angles, watching films that focus on the things that frighten us. I have friends who are scared to death of home invasions, and those are the type of movies that they find to be the most compelling. I myself, for decades, have been scared to death of sharks. I am both scared and fascinated, and somehow those are some of my favorite horror films. We Face Our Fears. And I learned from this that at face value, I should never be someone who loves horror the way that I do because I am filled with fear. A lot of horror films scare the bejesus out of me, but that's why I love them. Each one of them for me is an exploration into fear, into the darkness that I constantly feel festering just outside of my sight line. And I've said many times that when horror movies stop scaring me, I should probably find a new line of work because for a lot of it, it's why I'm here because I'm examining my own psyche. Also, I pass out at the sight of blood, not the fake blood that we use on screen, but blood in real life. And I had to overcome this fear as well, especially now that I have kids who get nosebleeds and scraped knees. And, but for the bulk of my life, one overzealous paper cut. And I was like one of those fainting goats that would just kind of keel over. I get that a lot of people don't like scary movies, and I hope that they're able to explore their own psychological hangups and anxieties in other healthy ways. But for me and legions of other horror fans, horror films are strength. They're a way to face fears and come out on the other side unscathed and a little bit wiser. And I attribute horror films for helping me through many of my life's problems. Fear is personal. And it's never anything to be ashamed of. There are general fears that we all share regardless of culture, gender, age, etc. And these are what filmmakers use when they're creating scary sequences. Darkness is one. Humans are genuinely scared of night or any situation where we can't see what's going on in the room with us and therefore characters in horror films seemingly neglect to turn on lights when investigating weird noises. It builds the scare. Anticipation's another common one. Alfred Hitchcock noted that fear was not created by the actual bullet leaving the gun but more so by the anticipation of waiting for the gun to fire we as humans hate waiting for something that we know is coming and this is why filmmakers spend way more time crafting the build to the jump scare than the actual moment when the monster jumps out the build is far more frightening to us psychologically but fear is far more individualized than that most fear is built on our own personal experiences For example, I have a catch-and-release policy with spiders and bugs, but with centipedes, I always instinctively smash. My moral brain says to relocate it outside, but then my fear takes over and I grab the nearest heavy object. My husband was always confused by this. I would delicately handle every gnarly-looking spider that entered my house but one small centipede, and I was filled with terror. This goes back to a very specific moment of my childhood when I found a massive centipede inside one of my shoes right as I was putting it on. And that's when my fear was created and it has persisted for decades. But this is how most fears work. It's an emotion. It's something that's created inside of our own brains in response to an external stimulus. And then it kind of morphs from that. Fear's not a weakness and it's not a personal flaw. It's just part of being alive and owning a brain. Sometimes fear is there to protect us. In horror films, you'll have those moments where someone says, this place gives me the chills or that guy who runs the hotel sure is creepy. Yes, yes, he is Velma and you should listen to yourself. Our brains are often far more aware ahead of time and you should always give your brain the benefit of the doubt. But other times, fear can become a really overwhelming obstacle in your life. And sometimes changing yourself is necessary to overcome fear or an obstacle. You must view the situation from all sides. You must walk a mile in King Kong shoes. For the purposes of this metaphor, we're putting King Kong in some shoes. So think back to the King Kong tale. He has it made. Kong has a huge island all to himself, and sure, he has to battle the occasional dinosaur, but he's basically left alone to chill. Then this guy shows up, puts King Kong in chains, and then drags him to New York City where Kong goes on a rampage. Yeah, we'd all probably want to punch a few buildings at that point, too. This is also why many horror fans identify with Frankenstein's monster, and it's easy to see why we do. From the moment he was created, all he knew was people screaming at him, telling him how horrible he was and chasing him with pitchforks. And though real monsters do exist, many of the people, outcasts, and marginalized by this society are not monsters at all. They're just misunderstood, very much like King Kong and Frankenstein, which brings me back to my centipede fear. While I had always been petrified of centipedes, I'd never really thought of it as a fear simply because it was not something that I experienced regularly. I might encounter a centipede once a year, if that. It would turn me into a quivering pile of terror. I'd dispatch him and not think of it for another year. That was until I moved to New York City. My husband and I had the standard sticker shock when we saw the big apple-sized price tags on everything, including our apartment, and we soon found ourselves in a single room on the upper, upper, upper east side that they cleverly called a one-bedroom alcove. It was just a room. While most of the city was in an ongoing turf war with cockroaches, We never had to worry about those because in our building, the centipedes were firmly in control. The building super was fighting the problem, but in the meantime, I found myself living in a constant state of panic. It went from a fear that I never thought about to one that I could not escape. I had anxiety. I didn't sleep some nights because I knew there was likely a centipede somewhere in the room with me. And a lot of times I found myself kind of avoiding going home. I would still end up going home, but the entire time getting there, I would be thinking about my centipede-infested apartment. One night, I pulled back the shower curtain to find one scampering around the tub, and I grabbed a magazine about to smash him when he winced. I don't know if he was actually wincing or if this is just some particularly emotive centipede, but he raised up like his front 25 legs or so, and, and kind of shocked, like I'd scared him. And he may have been trying to eat my hand for all I know, but what I saw in that moment was this centipede was expressing fear. And for a brief second, I understood the centipede. To him, I was the monster. In the centipede world, I am legend. I am the giant creature that he would go home and tell his kids about now. And I kind of felt bad. I know it seems small to suddenly comprehend the reality in the soul of a centipede, but this fear was becoming detrimental on my life. And it took understanding this monster or even this small bug in order to overcome this fear. And then after that, I found that I did the most amazing thing. I watched centipede movies and there aren't a lot of centipede horrors out there, but I suddenly found myself gravitating to them. The one that probably stuck out the most was an Asian horror film called Centipede Terror, which was about a witch who cursed people into having them vomit up centipedes and the whole film was filled with nothing but centipedes and vomit and more centipedes, but somehow I found this to be cathartic. I had found a way to understood the monster and I had found a way to keep examining my own fear of them through horror films. So then the question becomes, how do we find courage and face our fears? You know, those moments in movies when the person is running from the killer and they choose to go up the stairs instead of out the front door, it prolongs the scare but it's really frustrating to watch. These characters will spend the bulk of the movie evading the mass killer or monster before finally facing them off in the final showdown. And the final girl has survived the entire movie, but over time has gone through this profound character change, learning from the situation before finally facing the monster. Finding the courage to face a monster or a fear, be it literal or allegorical, doesn't mean that you aren't still petrified of it. It just means that you've found something in yourself that's even stronger than the fear, and that's where courage is. In the words of Winston Churchill, fear is a reaction, but courage is a decision. And we all have fears and doubts and we're generally kind of big anxious meat sacks, but facing fears head on and confronting your fears are necessary to start working towards your goal, whatever it may be. Fear sucks. But without it, we would never realize how strong and beautiful we are inside. And if horror films help you do this, help you to explore your own psyche and find the strength to push through another day and confront your demons, then preach on and have an Elm Street marathon and find your best fucking course in life. It also helps to have people to lean on, which brings me kind of to my final horror movie lesson for the day. In horror films, or even Scooby-Doo episodes, the characters will proclaim, let's split up and go look for the creature. You go search the old cemetery and I'll look in the spooky attic. Yeah, don't do that. It never plays out well in the movies or in life. Use the buddy system. Be it with emotional issues, hurdles to conquer, or an actual giant lizard eating your town, life's problems are far less daunting if you have a few folks fighting with you. Find horror friends. Find people who think like you do, who share your interests. There are endless groups online for folks who share your same love, fascination, and devotion for the horror genre. These groups have helped me really discover who I am as a fan and as a person. Find some. Find some horror-savvy friends in the online space. Watching horror films alone can be fun, but it is no way to get through life. And never let anyone tell you that your fandom is wrong. Find some like-minded folks to authenticate that. So as you head into next week and next year, face a fear. Stare that motherfucker in the face and figure out why you're afraid of it. Be it a life choice, a specific phobia, or something that you want to change about yourself or your own personal reality. Watch a horror film and tackle that alien bitch head on with the strength and drive of 10,000 Ripley's. Happy New Year's, everyone. Have a great week. And to Nightmare University is a Fangoria Podcast Network original produced and hosted by Rebecca McKendry, producer Natasha Posetta, executive producers Dallas Sonnier and Phil Nobile Jr., Associate Producer Jessica Safavimer, Art and Design by Ashley Detmering, Sound Recording, Design, and Mixing by David McKendry, Music by The Serpentines, For Fangoria, Brandon Moinerdi, Jason Koslerich, and Rachel Wilson.